Well, hello everybody, it's Dell Shores. And I'm Emerson Collins, and this is the Dell and Emerson Show. Straight talk. Real gay. Hi, Dell Shores. Hi, Emerson Collins, how are you? You know, I'm just fine. Y'all, today was one of our work days, so this is the pretend version of our check-in. Yes, and my for, for some reason, my computer is just sinking like a, a ship. Oh, so, like my self-esteem and my will to live. So I, 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 my, my chin's not going to look as good because it just went down about 10 inches. Oh, um, no. what? Well, well, go down on 10 inches, and that's an impressive talent. So how are you this, this time of day, Emerson? I mean, I did see you earlier today, and you seemed fine. You seemed to be thriving. I sure am, fair to Midland. Y'all, whether you're watching us on Facebook or on YouTube or listening later on iTunes or Spotify or Pandora, hello. We've got a full show. We'll do the Oscars, the Drag Race finale, bigoted bills, threats to trans testifiers, Mondaire Jones, a prom dress prick, a Simpsons recast, Prancers Forever Home, an explosive wedding, and more. And I want to say that I contacted Prancer's mama on uh, on Instagram and she wrote me back and she says she's listening. So hi, Prancer's mama. We're going to get to that story. I love that so much. And I knew it would be very important to you for us to follow up on Prancer's journey. So yes, y'all stick around. You know, I'm, I'm obsessed with chihuahuas and oh, oh. Oh, can I just can I just deviate one second before Isn't it about we start? To be what not one of the two things we discussed we were going to discuss? Yes, yes. I, but did you notice how I just acted like it just came to me? Um, I did. So yesterday I went to walk the dogs. Uh -huh. Got the, the three little bitches, and I go down the road, and uh, Matt Hayes, uh, my my colleague, uh, my buddy, uh, he always puts our merchandise out on my mailbox. Always for for years we've been doing this. Uh-huh. Years. Yeah. So there was one one package that went out yesterday. Emerson, it was on a bench, torn open. Someone had stolen the merchandise. Not only had they stolen it, they didn't want it. They <laughs> looked inside it. It was sorted like the series. They go, shit, I don't want this shit. And they just threw it down. So <laughs> I, if they had wanted it, I would have never known. But so I'm, I'm conflicted. I'm mad because I thought if you're going to steal from me, at least want my shit. I, like that's the trauma of this. Somebody stole from you and decided that what you had was not worth having. That's right. And, and what enough. they decided was the only television show I've ever been on. I'm trying not to take this personally. Um, yeah, I'm sure it was because they didn't like you. They did uh -huh. not. They, they, they had it was real all about you. That, that minor supporting character of Max, who was vital, <laughs> vital to the journey of that series. They just said, uh-uh, not in it. I know who uh, you are. You're just a fag-hating fag. It is. A yeah. lying-using, closeted, fag-hating fag was, that's, my, was that's the line of my life. <laughs> also, that's so sad. You've been, you have been leaving those packages out forever, like the good old days when you could leave your front door unlocked. Well, there have been other people. Somebody stole because we everybody's ordered from Amazon. And same place. It's I think it's the same thief. Uh, just tore open somebody's ugly, ugly jumpsuit and just left it there. Just left it out there. Said, "Uh, uh, don't want this one either." Well, so apparently you have very snobby thieves in your neighborhood, and they don't really like what you and your neighbors either are sending or receiving. All now I'm we're saying. Gonna, do now, what not you're be doing perfect foods. That's it. That's where I draw the line. But you know what I'm going to do? Do tell. I, I'm going to catch them. 
I have decided I'm going to get, I'm going to sit down there and I'm going to sit. Uh, there's two garages and one has the, the mailbox and I'm just going to sit there and I'm just going to peek around and I'm going to peek around. I don't care how long it takes. I'm going to, my internet works down there. I've already checked it. I am going to wait for hours. I am going to catch that motherfucker and I am going to tackle them to the ground and spray them with mace. I'm just imagining you in some deer blind, like like you've made taken a recycling ca trash can and like turned it into a like watch spot. That's what you should use the big blue, like cut the sides corners off and tuck it in the back and you can make yourself a little peephole. Get them. Well, I need you to help me with that and then I'll do it. Now that sounds too much. I would just buy like one of those ring cameras and record it. Well, you know what? They're right under my window here. I mean, I'm on the second story. I could get one of those nets. I could just get a net and throw it on them. And, now, <laughs> I, please, please do that. And please let me know when you plan to start so I can come by and record with my camera. You standing for hours and hours holding some giant net up <laughs> on the balcony, just <laughs> waiting for that thief. <laughs> All right, full disclosure, y'all. Dale told me this story this morning and I said, that is funny enough. I won't even mind listening to it again on the show. So I thought you all would enjoy that. And I want to say this, if it's funny to Emerson Collins, because he doesn't find anything I do very funny. So if it's funny to Emerson, I know it's pretty funny. I am your worst audience. <laughs> <laughs> but it not just balance it out because you are your own best audience. So you keep me very out. humble. That's all I have to say. You keep me very, very I, will, I will laugh at that. We'll read the same script over and over and I will laugh every single time. Emerson does not even crack a smile. It's like, nope. That, I'm like, yes, that is still funny. Um, but in other important news, uh, the CDC put out new guidelines today. Today is my, officially my 14th day since my second vaccination. And I'm going to put up this graphic so we're not putting out any kind of false news or anything. But for the everybody that is fully vaccinated, they have now said you do not need to wear a mask unless you're in a large old group of people. Uh, no, that's not the one I wanted, uh, which is very um, exciting and a little bit weird. It's like going outside feeling like you're stark naked again. I know, but you think there's going to be a vaccinate, like someone, a vaccine monitor that runs up to people and go, are you vaccinated? Because how do you know? Well, I mean, you have to go with the theory that you're vaccinated, so the space you are taking up is fine, and don't get close enough to some stranger if you're worried about it. I'm not. I'm not going to get close to anybody. But it does mean that the, there is... There is some irony that people who aren't planning to get vaccinated, so they've been running around without masks anyway, they basically said the rest of you that have been vaccinated are fine, so don't worry about them when they're out on their jog or you're doing your things. Um, but it also feels like Kelly just said she went out without her mask and then people gave her dirty looks. I don't think the news has gotten to everyone yet, so there's some judgmental duties that are probably I'm going to say some things for a little while. Well, I'm going to be that person. If they give me a dirty look, I'm going to say, you can take off your mask if you're vaccinated. I guess you're not. And just walk on. Right. Yeah. But now, if you're inside at movie theaters and all, lots of things, they still recommend, even if you're vaccinated, wear your masks. Um, but it is sort of exciting to know you can go outside and feel like a person. Uh, I did it today. I walked, uh, I walked from the car dealership. I had my uh, oil changed. Uh, it, I is had that a euphemism? Oil. Oh, no, you mean really. You really. <laughs> yes, yes, I had my oil. Well, 
I didn't need it changed, but they told me I needed it changed. And I said, well, I haven't driven, but about 22 miles in the last six months, but uh, went down there and I had it changed. And I walked from Hollywood. If you go to my Instagram, you can see, I give you a tour of Hollywood. Oh, it's just so delightful. Uh, this stroll that I took down Hollywood Boulevard. We take it for granted, Emerson, but not no, many no, we, don't. We, we see this Hollywood side. It's like, whoa. Sure. Mm -hmm. I do. Take it for granted. All right, let's move on. <laughs> no, well, I thought you were getting to the feeling about how you felt not wearing your mask, or were you just telling us about the car? No, it was just, it was kind of, it felt good to just go, okay, I'm, I, I just heard this news. In fact, Kelly, my ex-wife, who is in the room, she's the one who let me know. There's a big thread of my my daughters and Kelly and me. And she said, we it's it's over. We can we can go out. We're all vaccinated. And uh, it, was, it was it was very freeing. I loved it. And so it does also mean when you're out in public, you do what is best for you, but don't make assumptions about the people you're encountering. And if you don't feel safe, you stay home or wear your mask. Uh, but it, the guidelines now say you don't have to. So I don't I, I'll let you know how my first bear back in public experience. Goes. <laughs> yes, you do that. <laughs> All right, we're getting into the actual news and the nonsense. The Oscars were on Sunday night. What did you think? What did everybody watching at home think? Share your thoughts. Um, well, first of all, they were just a, on the, a, a smidge on the boring side. Um, I, I have always hated them playing that music when people go over with their speech, but y'all after sun, Sunday, I'm all for it. I'm just all for it. Get them off the stage. They just droned on. I think that Sonnenberg, he just said, oh, oh, we, we never let them finish their speeches. Everybody's complaining. Let's just let them go for five or six minutes. Boring, boring, boring. The only thing that was not boring was Glenn Close doing a little dance uh, and, and Francis McDormand just spewing nonsense. I was howling at the moon. Howling, howling at the moon. <laughs> the it was interesting. I actually really enjoyed it. I found something uh, really nice because the reality of the Oscars is it's never going to be that interesting a show. There is a whole slew of awards. Let's be honest. A bunch of people aren't that interested in because a famous person isn't receiving it. And we should be recognizing those people. Their contributions are just as important. But there is not a way to make. Uh, to, to plan in advance, you know, for the sound people to be entertaining and witty off the cuff as they thank the people that helped make it happen. But I, there were some elements I really loved talking about the actors' performances, how it contributes, you know, what the movie was about. I loved that more than the like random, here's 30 seconds of a clip from a movie that a publicist probably pulled from this character moment. Um, I, I get, I, it felt like people's response people who were bored versus people who found it engaging, I also think has something to do with where we are each in our pandemic journey. You know, some people wanted and needed a diversion and it wasn't really that. And then some people are really sensitive and found like the, the sort of serious sincerity of it engaging. So it seemed to be very split in what I saw. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it would hurt to throw in a musical number with a key change. I just I, feel like that. A dance number might have been fun, you know. And and uh, Brent agrees. He said, "I missed the Debbie Allen dance travesties." Yeah, Brent, we needed those. Putting all of the uh, musical numbers in the pre-show 
I do think the musical numbers in the show are a great, uh, nice diversion. In I, fact, there were so few bits. Regina King's opening was exquisite. Yeah. And talking about and sort of wrapping our heads around what's happened in the last week and the last year, and yet also why. And then the focus of the show being the importance of art uh, was perfectly navigated. Um, but there were no bits. So by the time we got to the Glenn Close dancing to debut, um, it, it was so jarring for me. It was so random because we just hadn't done anything. It was like two hours and 20 minutes in and now we're gonna do, do comedy. I was, I was so confused. Well, I, I never like Audra Day just like giving it to him. <laughs> well, also, so. it seemed a little bit like she was not told as much in advance what was gonna happen, even though Glenn's answer was clearly scripted. It's like right. maybe we should have brought everybody in on the joke. Yeah, they said that, that that Purple Rain was not nominated. She thought, yeah, that sounds about right. I mean, she she was um, she was fun. Uh, but I did like the train station of it all. I as weird, it there was something wonderful in this like only like a hundred people in sight and, and talking through the little booths like it was an old timey cabaret show. Um, but the uh, responses at home, Judy, best Oscars I've ever seen. Brent, I fast forwarded a lot. Zana loved it. It was personal and beautiful. Jeffrey didn't watch. Ken, I loved it and hope they keep the scaled back shows for a while. Well, it, it, it still was long. It was three hours and 15 minutes and that was scaled back? No, scaled back not in length and the like size and scope of the show. Not sure. I don't I I don't like that. I want the big. I want the big full auditorium. I want the gowns. You like I the want, pomp and circumstance. I do. Erica said the in memoriam was too fast. Erica, I agree. Uh, and some, it was like they they lingered on some people's death, but some people just weren't important enough to linger on, and they just bam, bam, bam. It did feel a little bit like somebody was controlling the DVR and like fast forwarding and then real time and then fast forward in real time, like trying to find the right spot. Um, and there, but there were a couple of good moments uh, specifically related to our community. Uh, Trayvon Free won for live action short film and he and his co-director uh, seen here get back to my notes because I want to read the James Baldwin quote. Martin Desmond Rowe there, they had matching suits and inside the suits were the names of those killed by police brutality. And when he spoke, he used the James Baldwin quote, the most despicable thing a person can be is indifferent to our pain. Please don't be indifferent to our pain. And he is an out proud bisexual uh, comedian and writer. Um, so that was a nice moment of discussion of the wider news. And then Mank had that lesbian production designer, Jane Pascal, who slipped in right at the end. I'd like to thank my wife, Louise. And I get excited every time, every time somebody mentions their same-sex spouse or partner. It's always a little, ooh. And the lesbian visibility day. So she just like, she just like launched lesbian visibility day. Just launched. Right, she said, y'all, we're starting early. Well, also, I think it was already mon like Monday morning in the UK. There you go, somewhere. I did love uh, Kaluuya talking about his parents having sex and then the cut to his mother as the like delay caught up to her of what he had just said. Thought, oh, there's gonna be a conversation at home. That was great. 
Um, and then Mia Neal and Jamika Wilson, who were the first black women to win for hair and makeup, she talked about representation and being seen on stage and said, I can picture black trans women standing up here and Asian sisters and our Latina sisters and indigenous women. And I know that one day it won't be unusual or groundbreaking. It will just be normal. That was my favorite scene. They won for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Well-deserved. Yep. Um, so yeah, good. Some and then, really great moments. Uh, but, and then uh, my personal favorite is Yu Jung Yoon has been the, the star of this award season. I don't know if you saw, but she did an interview early on that said, my favorite, basically, my favorite thing in the whole world is laying in my bed, uh, snoozing or watching stuff. So the pandemic hasn't been that hard for me. <laughs> <laughs> and then she got up there and said, Brad Pitt, hi, how come you never came to the movie set? <laughs> she was she was fangirling over Brad. I finally meet you. I was like, I can't do the accent, but yeah. Um, well, we will continue to see how the things go forward. Uh, I guess we could do some other stories now. I guess we should. Let's try All right. <laughs> in our LGBTQ news, news, news. Our bills, bills, bills section, the quick highlights keeping you updated, particularly on the anti-trans uh, events around the country. Alabama Governor Kay Ivey did sign their bill barring trans students from competing in public sports into law last Friday. That They joined Arkansas, Mississippi, and Tennessee with laws officially on the books. In uh, Montana, the Senate and House approved the amended version of their bill. Remember we talked about Governor Christie uh, said, let's try it a little different so it doesn't get overturned. And we, but they wrote into there as a caveat that the bill becomes void if the federal government withholds education funding from the state over gender discrimination and an appeal by the state fails. Does that make sense? Their bill says, we wanna be able to be bigots, but if we lose in court or the federal government says, we'll start losing education money because we're being bigots, JK, this law is null and void, which is like the, the, the smallest, weakest spine to bigotry. It's 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 a good idea though, since uh, Alabama is in the bottom five, I think, in education in the United States. They need every dollar they can get. Well, to, this is Montana. This is now Montana. Oh, that was Montana. I got mixed yeah. up. It was KI? So K? So Alabama didn't have that 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 stipulation. It no, was just Montana. No, okay. yep. This is on in Montana. Sorry, I know. I'm I, like, there's so many things happening with these. I just want to keep y'all updated on bullet points. And in Connecticut. A federal judge dismissed a lawsuit challenging their policy of inclusion. So they have the reverse problem. The Alliance Defending Freedom uh, joined a suit for three cis cisgender girls uh, suing Connecticut for their inclusive policy. And a federal judge said no. Courts across the country have consistently held that Title IX requires schools to treat trans students consistent with their gender identity. So that's the current state of the bills, bills, bills. Yes, and, and and even more uh, disheartening trans news uh, from our home state in Texas. We talked about a few weeks ago the Texas bill that would uh, make supporting trans young people considered child abuse. And then Kai Shapley, the 10-year-old trans girl who testified and said, God made me, God loves me for who I am, and God does not make mistakes. There she is. Uh, and Amber uh, Briggle was the mother who, who was terrified testifying that her testifying would lead to her son being taken away. And both of these clips went viral. So Shapley's mother tweeted that they are keeping her off of social media because of all the hatred to a 10 year old y'all. One of the comments on her YouTube was dumb idiot get murdered. You disgusting little brat. 
Uh, Riggle tweeted, I'm mad because the people who are elected to keep us safe and protected here in Texas are the same people who are putting my family in danger. And these same douche canoes are bullying trans kids, both online and IRL. The harassment these kids got from grown ass adults while bravely testifying in Austin is enough to make you want to cut a man. The death threats these children are getting online is shameful. She did not hold back. Uh, she then filed a police report over voice messages listing all the ways she should kill herself and posted an update saying the detectives found the caller and she will be pressing all of the charges. So good for you. I love that. I fell down a rabbit hole of her Twitter feed uh, and bring just a great mom. She's sort of hilarious. She's not. She's definitely pushing back uh, and doing more than I could. The, the, that cor those corners of the internet where people swarm onto somebody uh, are horrifying. And somebody went to this 10 year old's YouTube channel mm. to say that. I mean, adults are hor beyond horrible enough to adults on the internet. Um, but thinking about what kind of person it takes to go say that to a 10 year old child. Yeah, well, there's a lot of bad people in the world. Oh, and also, and, uh, but I love that Amber got the voicemail and said, uh-uh, no, called the police and they, I don't, I don't know when they traced the number or what they did, but that they are, that they found the person and she said, I'm pressing all of the charges. Well, it seems like what happened is that they, they, um, th this person called over and over and over again. So they were yeah. able to trace the call. So, and, the, and, and what they already had to do just to testify, you know, this young girl just wants to live her life. And this mother who only cares about her son being okay, what it already takes to stand up in front of people who want to enact a bill to say that you are abusing your child. Like that's already such a mountain to climb and then have this be the response to it. As Danielle said, death threats to kids from the pro-life party members, it's evil. Yes, it is. Um, it's, it's so interesting to me though, that these people who make death threats, like that person was rather stupid because they made it over and over and over. They were able to trace the call. And I remember, you know, when our friend Carol Cook had the, the run in uh, with, with uh, secret you know, they came to the FBI came to her house and everything. And uh, she had had all these death threats. And she said that some of the people who sent her death threats via mail put their return address on the envelope. And all she had to do was just hand it over. <laughs> it's like, are you that stupid? They said, you know, they got one of those sticker sheets that you, you know, whenever you donate to an organization and then they send you return labels, uh -huh. uh, got one of those sticker sheets and they pre-stamped pre all those envelopes and didn't think about. Yeah, it was, it was from Focus on the Family. Uh -huh, the Alliance Defending Freedom. So please send a letter back. Mm -hmm. uh. Um, and in other uh, news for our community, uh, we've talked a lot about out Representative Mondaire Jones. He's the head of the freshman class uh, in the House of Representatives. He called out a whole bunch of Republican arguments against DC statehood. They're, they've been talking about it because DC has more, a larger population than several states and no representation in Congress. And he got up and said on the House floor, I have had enough of my colleagues' racist insinuations that somehow the people of Washington, D.C. are incapable or even unworthy of our democracy. One Senate Republican, he's talking about Tom Cotton from Arkansas, said that D.C., quote, wouldn't be a well-rounded working class state. I had no idea there were so many syllables in the word white. 
One of my House Republican colleagues said that D.C. shouldn't be a state because the district doesn't have a landfill. My goodness, with all the racist trash my colleagues have brought to this debate, I can see why my colleagues are worried about a place to put it. The truth is there's no good faith argument for disenfranchising 700,000 people, most of whom are people of color. Now, there were some objections to his comments, and he agreed to have his comments stricken from the record, but then he did continue to say, these desperate objections are about fear. Fear that in D.C., their white supremacist politics will no longer play. Fear that soon enough, white supremacist politics won't work anywhere in America. Fear that if they don't rig our democracy, they will not win. Today, Democrats are standing up for a multiracial democracy. Now, the bill for D.C. statehood did pass the House along party lines because of the, the split in the Senate. It will have a much tougher climb over there. But like just straight up stood there and said, your arguments are bullshit and they're and they're rooted in racism. Uh, Emerson, do you know if they have to have 60 votes for this in the in the House? I don't know the specifics of what kind of bill this will be. No, but even, you know, it's but it's you got to get everybody and Joe Manchin and, you know, cinema and the various people right at the edge of the line. I'm not positive uh, what the threshold is on that particular vote. Right. All right. Well, in other um hateful news. Uh, this comes out of Nashville. There was a Nashville executive harassing a gay couple dressed for the prom and it's gone viral. Uh, you know what? People are so stupid these days. We, we, we got camera phones, y'all. We have camera phones. We're going to film you. It started when a, a college student, Jacob uh, Getman, I believe the way you said, posted a video of Sam Johnson, the CEO of telemedicine platform Vis Visuel. Uh, Visuel. Uh, in a confrontation with him and his high school boyfriend, Dalton Stevens. Now, this is what happened. The, the video starts with uh, Stevens telling Johnson to get away from him. He walks uh, to go into the hotel and Johnson follows him. Now, the, 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 he is in a dress and, uh, and, and he says, you look like an idiot. Tries to knock the phone out of Getman's hand and seems to hit Dalton on the arm. Later, Getman put up TikToks explaining what happened. But before it started, they went to the hotel close by where they live to get some photos. Right as they were about to leave, Stephen says, this man comes up. He's about an inch behind my boyfriend. And he's like, what are you wearing? And he's like, a dress. Why? And he's like, why are you wearing that? You shouldn't be wearing that because I can. And he said, because I can and I want to. And I don't really give a fuck what you think. <laughs> Good for you, Dalton. So Dalton had a little mouth, which I like. He says that Johnson said things like, you look disgusting. You look ridiculous. You look like an idiot. Men shouldn't be wearing this. When the hotel employees came out, Johnson acted like he had said nothing. And the staff called the police and said, they were kicking him out. Johnson then told Newsweek that the allegations were entirely false. Filmed. It were, they were filmed, but they were entirely false. And uh, he said that the gay teens were obnoxious and loud, and he just wanted them to tone down the vulgarities around the families and children who were present. He said, making it about the dress was their idea, and they edited out most of the exchange. I have no ill will towards anyone or their personal choices, so long as it does not harm me or my family. I know, like this man, it is on video, you standing there, he had that shit-eating grin on his face that just makes me furious. I'll be first to admit, it brings up like the trauma of like a certain kind of Southern masculine bro that was just terrifying to me as a kid and as a teenager. But that thing, 
where you can see the camera and you're not at all bothered by it catching what you're doing and saying is the level of arrogance in believing that nothing will ever go wrong for you. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I, I once in my life, if somebody had put up a camera while I was going on about what I was going on about, I would have gone, you know what? I should probably shut up. And there, that thought just does not occur. And then just the night, so I didn't say that. I didn't do that. It's sort of like that former president that we had where he was just on a million <laughs> video feeds. And he goes, oh, no, I didn't say that. Or I was joking or yep. whatever. We go, well, actually, we saw. We actually saw oh. what he said. And he tried to say that he heard them cussing while he was on his way to the bathroom. Like they were screaming profanity so loud in the courtyard that he just had to stop and wanted to address their mouths in front of women and children. And yet you still ended up talking about that dress. I think probably the what he heard cussing was when 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 Dalton said, I don't give a fuck what you think. Yes. yes. <laughs> oh, and good on those boys and good on him because they talked about, he said he wanted to wear a dress saying, you know, break down the binary, who cares? So we've talked about clothes don't have a gender, wear what you want. Mm -hmm. And he looked real good. That big old red statement dress. Yes, in Tennessee. That's a brave, that's a brave boy. As Johnny Hartman just said, it was a great dress. I that's the most important piece. Um, but I loved it and good for them. And just the lack of fear. I thought, you know, in my own adolescence, I don't know that I would have been so bold in the face of that kind of guy. So I, I always love seeing young people just unabashedly unafraid. Well, it's getting better and better. They, 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 yeah. they, they, there's a bravery that that I have to admit I did not, I certainly did not have. And yeah. uh, and I really admire, and that's why I feel that uh, we we can have to continue to tell their stories as they, as they unfold. Yes. Well, I love it because it's like, how dare you? I get to take up as much space in the world as I want to, you know, is what I hear in that. And I just love that so much. And also the moms in the background who were like, it's a special day for them. Can you just go? I was like, that's yeah. Leave. <laughs> just go. Oh, I love it. All right. Well, we've hit the halfway point. Thank you all so much for those of you who tune in live to comment along with us and to all of our subscribers. Uh, listening later, we appreciate you too. If you enjoy what we do here and you've got some extra cash sitting around you want to share uh, for our efforts, you can send us a tip on Venmo to at Emerson Collins or on PayPal to Beard Collins Shores Productions at gmail.com. We don't put the show behind a paywall, a Patreon, nothing. Um, and to those of you who can't and just show up and give us your commentary, we appreciate it. What you can do is tell your friends they ought to subscribe and listen to us on the Peloton or the treadmill or while you're walking around in public with no mask on now. Or, or you could go to any of those platforms and write a review, a good one. Don't yes. Bad ones. We don't want any bad reviews. Yes. Um, That's right. Yeah. If you don't have anything nice to say, why are you listening? Come sit by me. <laughs> come sit by me. Um, all right. Also over the weekend, big spoiler alert. If for some reason you're a Drag Race fan and you have not finished watching last season, we are going to discuss the finale right now. So turn, turn it off. Turn us off right now if you don't want to see. If you don't, if you if you have if you still got it on your DVR. That's it. All right. Well, the winner arrived. Miss Simone from Conway, Arkansas, was declared yes. winner of Drag Race season thirteen. Um, what do you think of the finale? What are everybody else who watches? Uh, well, um, I I was um, 
I was a little bit like, okay, Rose, what happened? I guess that, that injury sort of affected that last performance because I thought Rose, I didn't think Rose was going to win, but I did feel like that uh, she was a stronger contestant than, than Candy Muse, although Candy Muse did have my very favorite quote in the whole finale. He said, I'm delusional and self-centered. And I go, oh, I love somebody who, who knows who they are. Um, and she all but single-handedly carried the reality TV aspect of this season on her back. Um, but I am ready to be done with like the lip sync for the crown, you know, version of the finale. I'm ready for like a new finale format. It's become so, you know, oh, it's what's the reveal's gonna be? And not everybody is lip syncing their greatest skill. You know, before the big Sasha Velour year and the rose petals, <clears throat> The year before that, I believe, like they each had a pre-recorded song. I'm just ready for a new finale version. Okay. Um, yeah. So, so and it's weird. It's because you know you never know who's third or fourth. You only know who's one and two. Um, well, it's also it's like it's not even inherently one and two because like one of the people didn't lip sync against the other. I think right. I watched it. I was thinking it. I was hoping it would come down to Gottmik and Simone probably as my my top two for their journey across the show and the kind of drag they do and everything. I will pay money to go see a Rosé show live. Yeah. Sure. Uh, but for the TV show competition aspect. Um, but I was thrilled with him on one. Just so you, I thrilled, 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 yes. thrilled. Yes. I mean, like the journey, winning four episodes, lip syncing in the bottom, the way he's so sweetly and emotional. Every time she cried, I nearly cried. Well, I it's know that a beautiful sincerity there. That Arkansas journey really got me, and they, 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 the mom and grandma, and I mean, it was, it was great. It was really great. Yeah. And, uh, and Rue performed at the beginning of the finale. Rue hadn't performed on Drag Race. I don't. I can't remember since when. Yeah. Well, it was that we're at home. Uh, <laughs> we got to do this empty theater final performances and the ball looks at the beginning the ball was so fast those all of those outfits were jaw dropping yes they were so they 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 spent some 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 money money on those looks yeah. and seeing sweet jada essence hall i hope that this next year as the world is relived that she gets booked for those high dollar performance fees that she didn't get this last year you know her whole reign was the pandemic yeah so yeah you know, as Simone goes out into the world, Jada also gets her flowers and big dollar bookings. Yeah, she's yeah. just great. And gorgeous, gorgeous. I mean, that hair glued across her face, said that yeah. is a reigning queen passing on a crown. Stunning. So I loved it, I, I had a good time. And I got stoned for the first time since I had surgery. Oh, how was that? It was fantastic. I, I gained, I think I gained four pounds in one night. I just ate everything in sight. I just started making things in the air fryer. Perfect. Just one thing, wings, nacho, oh, anything I could just find. Oh, um, yes. I mean, good for you. Spoil yourself, treat yourself. Yeah, well now I'm starving right now. I'm hungry. Feast or famine, got a balance in the middle. Um, all right. All right, this next story. Um, I really loved this. I had seen, did you watch The Simpsons? Or have you, you know, it feels like people are either like, I've seen every single episode or just missed that boat. Um, I haven't seen every single episode, but I've seen enough. I, I, uh, I like, I enjoy. As, as a kid, we were not allowed. That like Bart and his sass and his parents, 
I mean, that was that was not allowed at our household. That disrespect. I mean, it was years later before I saw an episode of The Simpsons. But it, I mean, it's like the longest running animated show on television. It has been on since 1989. I mean, third in their 32nd season. And this really cool story just came up. Um, the uh, There on your left is actor and comedian Tony Rodriguez. He's a Cuban actor, openly gay. Um, and The Simpsons the last couple of years has had a big discussion about the voice actors and stereotypes. Uh, the Indian act comic Hari Kondabolu made a documentary about the problem with Apu, about Hank Azaria playing that character. Well, Tony Rodriguez made an Instagram basically audition video. Hank Azaria voices the character of Julio, who's appeared on the series as Marge's hairdresser, part of the LGBT scene in Springfield as the boyfriend of Mr. Sither, Smithers. And Tony made a video, put it laying on thick his Cuban accent, and talked about how much he loves The Simpsons, watched it from the beginning, talked about Hank's brilliant performance. But then he said, in the past two years, I've seen myself more in the show. And by that, I mean specifically the part of Julio, who is gay, like me. He's Cuban, like me. In one episode, he's Puerto Rican. And I'm pretty sure I've had a Puerto Rican in me. <laughs> he's a very funny, uh, charming actor and funny comedian. And he got cast to take on that character. He made his debut episode in the March episode, Uncut Femmes. And Matt Selman, an executive producer for The Simpsons, tweeted that a video by the guys behind Gayest Episode Ever, it's a podcast where they talk about the LGBT episodes or characters of classic sitcoms. It's brilliant from the minds of Drew Mackey and Glenn Lakin. And they made a video that had every LGBT plus joke ever on The Simpsons from all 31 seasons of the show. Well, this EP said that that video was a part of having a hand in recasting Tony Rodriguez as Julio. So these gay guys doing a podcast about gay episodes of television and making this supercut and Tony's gay audition video led to him getting the part on the show. So Tony's an actor and a comedian. He's got a great podcast called Spanish Aki. But what I loved about it is Tony oh, just wow. shot his shot. Like he said, there is a part on this show that is who I am. And if we talk about representation and people authentically playing characters that are their experience in the communities they come from, and then these other guys talking about how we're seen in the show, those two things dovetailing, and this giant franchise said, yeah, we should do that. And now Tony's playing this character on the show. I love it. Love it, love it, love it. It's just so impressive. And you guys really should check out Gayest Episode Ever. You can find it where you listen to podcasts if you're listening to ours. They've done deep dives on everything from like, I love Lucy, did they make the first gay joke ever? Through any show you can think of, they've talked about the Golden Girls, like the gay episode. They talked about who did good, who did bad, and who maybe did okay then, and we look backwards and go, ooh, ooh maybe not. Yeah. Um, I just love it, just such a victory. For I would love, to, you would love to hear their podcast about some of the Sex in the City episodes, uh -huh. which uh -huh. were, ooh. Like yes, me, as, Rosemary, as Rosemary says, use your voice to ask for what you want. Tony Rodriguez asked for what he wanted. He's talented, and he got it. Yes, and um, and, and, and I, I promised y'all this story, and I love this story. I, a few weeks ago, we talked about Prancer, who was just this this awful Chihuahua, admittedly hated men, and was was if you're the 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 advertisement for uh, for 
getting a home for Prancer was like, you just go, yeah, I think I'll pass on this. But somebody, somebody has adopted Prancer and I'm so happy and I hope she's listening. Um, anyway, hated, hated men, uh, hated dogs. Uh, but uh, Ariel Davis in New Haven, Connecticut, Connecticut adopted Prancer, checked off all the requirements, explaining I'm a single woman. I'm a single lesbian. Uh, I live with another woman. I don't have any men in my life. I work in a woman's rehab center. I don't have any other animals. It was just like a perfect match. And the rest is history. Um, before she had a neurotic uh, Chihuahua Terrier mix that she had to give up when she went into rehab for marijuana. Uh, but she's three years clean and sober now and works at the rehab that she went to. And so she emailed her personal story and why she connected to Prancer, made the trip, met Prancer uh, with his favorite food. And they went for a walk and they got along great. Took him home and she asked that what she was looking for the most. She said, having a companion, I'm a homebody too. I'd rather stay home than socialize, but he's helped me get out of the house actually. And we go on walks and I want to take him to the beach. He's helped me get out of my shell. And one of my goals is to help him become more adjusted to seeing other people. So she, in her effort to do this, she took him to work and she held him the whole time, but he met seven to 10 of the women, all women, and he behaved like a gentleman. Good for you, Prancer. Pearl, a representative for Second Chance Pet Adoption League, told USA Today that 10 other dogs have been adopted since Prancer went viral with more meetings scheduled for their little quirkier dogs this week. Uh, Ariel made Prancer an Instagram and I followed them today and I talked to Ariel on Instagram. And uh, there's there's uh, Prancer the Chihuahua is the... the uh, the name. So go follow Prancer and see all of these cute little pictures. And um, I just love this follow-up story. I loved it so much. Like it was one of those like, oh, you know, we laughed and like, oh, here's this. But there it's like there is a lid for every pot that she is the exact right environment for Prancer to go live in and that she's going to help him be a little more personable and he's going to help her get out of the house a little more. Like it just touched my heart, Ariel. <laughs> Because yeah, Chihuahuas, they can be a little territorial of their owners, and that, and also like, and that's fine. You can this. And this it sounds like he did great with the ladies at the rehab, uh, and they're just going to help each other along. It's just and, and that it's helping them find other placements for their other animals that are a little persnickety. Everyone wins in how this story worked out. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and we did talk about yesterday was lesbian visibility. So to all our lesbian friends, listeners, uh, whether you are visible or not able to be visible, hello, we appreciate you. We love you. And uh, Kilani, who has been a part of our community for a while, she identified as Polly and Pan, um, but she is officially uh, admitted that she uh, sees herself as a lesbian in a video that I found hysterical. She put up a TikTok and said, I'm just gonna fucking say it because everybody keeps bringing it up to me. You know the video where one girl's on live and I'm on her live and there's like 30 people and they're like, Kilani, what's new? And I'm like, I finally know I'm a lesbian. Well, it's fucking true. I'm gay, gay, gay. But now my thing is, I wanna have these like heart to hearts with my friends and family. I'm like, guys, finally know that I'm gay, like I'm gay, gay. And they're like, we know, duh, stupid, like, duh. I just feel like, no, 
Like, I want you to fall on the floor and be like, oh, congratulations. We had no idea. Shit. Everyone's just like, duh. You're the only one who didn't fucking know. The fucking closet was glass. I guess I just wanted y'all to know. Everyone knew but me. And I, that just sounds so real for some people, you know, where it's like, hey, I'm gay. And people do that like, we know. I know. She was I the headliner at Pride the year that they like couldn't let anybody else in because so many people uh, showed up to see her. And I just appreciated with our success and fame for her. It sort of is a reminder that don't do that to people. When somebody no, comes no. out to you, no matter how much you knew or thought you knew or were sure they were going to get there, the worst thing you can say to that person is, I know. Just say congratulations and thank you for feeling comfortable enough to share that with me. Yeah. Or, or the, 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 the mean queen. Oh, honey, everybody knew. Yeah. Um, so, by the way, I believe Tony Rodriguez is listening to our show. He commented in the chat room, which I love. Hi, Tony. Congratulations. He did tell me, you know, I've been a fan uh, for a while. Um, and he really is. I, I find such admiration for people who can be performers and activists in a smart way. Um, and the celebratory way he engaged with that show is why I wanted to share it with everybody. You know, and it also asking for a job. I just love that he just auditioned on Instagram. It's so inspiring to all artists. Uh, you, you know, know. I want to do it, and but I want to do. I, <laughs> so now, can we get people we know and figure out which role they're right for? Like, can we get Dale Dickey and Ann Walker to audition to play Patty to play the sisters? We, every, <laughs> now the poor Simpsons are going to get all kinds of audition videos. I'm like, mm, not everyone's as talented as Tony. I don't think it's going to go that way. Yeah, <laughs> my 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 friend Beverly said uh, several. She played that. Um, I forget the name of the character she played. But uh, she sang. She sang. She was a singer on it. Okay, we got, we got some uh, some reversing the last administration policy. Uh, Secretary of uh, State Antony uh, Blinken told American embassies and diplomatic missions that they are they they can fly the pride flag again, as well as other symbols, uh, connoting uh, support for LGBTQ rights based on what is appropriate in light of. Local conditions. Now, hold on, hold on, hold on. Did I say that word wrong? Where are you looking at? Symbols. Yeah. Uh, no, you did fine. Connoting, okay. like connotation. Connoting. Oh, yes. Okay. Uh, so, what'd you say? Hold on. Yeah, I was trying to figure out where it went awry. I thought you were about to be like, I left an extra letter in. No, 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 no. You did fine. It's me, just not. So, anyway, Newt Gingrich, who I can't fucking stand, he went on Judge Deneen. Janine show to spew about it saying he, and he here's his quote uh, every idiotic thing that the Biden administration has done in the first hundred days whether it's threatening everybody who believes in the Second Amendment or it's attacking everybody who believes in right to life or it's attacking people of traditional values who are appalled that this administration would fly the gay flag at American embassies all over the world. It's almost like they have a checklist of what can we do that will really, truly infuriate traditional Americans. Look, I think that the left has decided that they're going to try and push all the regular Americans into a corner where they either have to fight, in which case they will be attacked by the news media, or they just have to cave and hide. So. That regular American shit 
Never doesn't make my brain bleed. I mean, it just sits, you know, in all of that, like white supremacy, like that whole, like a like a traditional American means like Patty homemaker with her two and a half kids behind the white picket fence also has to be what like that regular American bullshit, like saying that anybody who doesn't see the world the way you do is just not as American as you are. So, well, I tweeted Newt, and this is oh, what yeah. I, I tweeted him. I said, uh, at Newt Gingrich, do traditional values include having an affair with a 27-year-old staffer, Callista Bisek, then divorcing your second wife, Mary Ann, two months after her multiple sclerosis diagnosis to marry Callista while you were leading the impeachment proceedings against Clinton for a blowjob? So he did not. Every time. I mean, every time, you know, look, I'm all for people growing and changing. But since he continues to prove that he can't and he won't, throwing that in his face every time is absolutely appropriate. Traditional values. Fuck you. Like that your very specific view of how you want to live your life is how everybody else should live theirs is literally not American. It's not. Three marriages could have been spelled three times, according to Genesis. That's right. I mean, the church. Like, well, you know, it's in those books that I just skimmed. Maybe Deuteronomy. I don't know. It's not. I don't think it's numbers. (laughs) It's not the Song of Solomon. I'm pretty fairly sure that it's not the Song of Solomon. Like, y'all, when they had the Council of Nicene, you know, all those things where they were assembling the Bible, you know, they left out Mary Magdalene's version, said, "Uh uh-uh, no, not hers and various things. But they really decided numbers was incredibly important. Like, how, of the, they, there's only going to be 66 books, and we definitely need that one that's just a bunch of statistics and, not, like, nonsense. Somebody at that committee should have said, no, we don't need that. that, that I've got to keep Leviticus, all that hateful it's shit. The way you read numbers. I'll be honest, of all the Bible verses I memorized in my life, I don't think I ever memorized a verse from numbers. I don't and, either. Y'all in the live show right now. Does, can anybody, without looking it up, name n- name even a subject of a numbers <laughs> bubble, even a topic discussed in numbers? Because a single one. I believe Deuteronomy is the one with all the begattens. Yes. A lot of begattens. And also, like, this the Ancestry.com of the Bible. Like, I do not care about your genealogy. Who is yeah. this for? Yeah, honey, have that framed in a photo and put on your wall. We don't need to read it in a book forever. And they were living really long lives. I mean, I would get, oh, that's a lot. There, there were vampires in the Bible. Methuselah did not live to be 960 whatever. That that that, that was vampires. That's, that's bullshit. That is all bullshit. You know, people try to do that stuff. They're like, no, the sun's rays weren't as harsh. I'm like, and they were living 10 times longer than us. I'm like, I don't think y'all knew how to count. Your calendar well, was like three months long. There's some holes in the Bible. <laughs> to say, there is, as you like to say when we write, people don't usually think backwards, but it, this is the number one best-selling book of all time. People have had time to think backwards. It doesn't all work. Yeah. All right. Um, all right, real quick. Uh, just celebration, continued representation. Uh, the Biden administration is nominating two other uh women from our community uh, for defense positions. Sean Skelly, who's trans, served 20 years as a Naval flight officer, was the first trans veteran appointed by a U.S. president under Obama, and is in the intended nominee for Assistant Secretary of Defense for Readiness. 
and Brenda Sue Fulton, a lesbian from the first West Point class to admit women, spent 26 years in brand management for Fortune 100 companies, will be the nominee for Assistant Secretary of Defense for Manpower and Reserve Affairs. So just continuing on with their mission to make sure our federal government reflects the American population. So good yeah. work and off to work. Yes, and, um, our good friend Nina West has a children's show. Yes. Season, season 11 uh, alum, Miss Congeniality, uh, queer, and my crush, Bobby Burke from Queer Eye, uh, developing a, a children's variety show for Stupid Buddy Studios. Um, Nina's Treehouse will be part Miss Doubtfire, part Sesame Street, with a little bit of Pee Wee's Playhouse mixed in. And Nina said, every bit of my heart is jumping at the opportunity to share joy, love, and kindness with children of all ages and to continue to carry the torch of the greats like Fred Rogers, Jim Henson, Paul Rubens, and Walt Disney. This show is the definition of magic. This is Burke's first produ producing credit. And he added, it's our hope that every child feels welcome and safe to express the joy of being who they are when watching this show. And we are so excited to bring that vision to life in a new format that's fresh and fun. So congratulations to Bobby Burke and Nina. Uh, fantastic. And I'm sure that a hundred thousand moms will be on this really shortly. Honestly, I hope Marjorie Taylor Greene hears about it and protests it because they'll just get a whole bunch of viewers and it'll last for seasons and seasons and seasons. Because, you know, oh. she hates those drag queen story hours, drag queen children's television. How dare you have a children's show starring a clown? I'm going to private message with Marjorie. Did you hear? Oh, but, my God. You have to go after Nina West. And because Nina, this boy. it'll only help yeah. at this point. Well, also, I, you know. You knew her before Drag Race, but I go by that statistic when she got on the show and she had raised $2 million hosting events through the years as a queen before the show. Someone who really worked, put in the work for our community, not just as an entertainer. So thrilled for her to continue. Well, that's what we, I did with her. We, we hosted something called Sorted Icecapades, where people went out there and just did ridiculous icecapades and drag. And uh, we raised money for uh, an AIDS organization. I love that. Wait, and Rob just said Mrs. Kasha Davis is writing a kid's book. Drag queens finding that children's market. Um, and then, oh, by the way, to answer our question, nobody knew what happens in numbers except Rob said, uh, numbers got a lot of wars and kings in it. And John Martin said, how many did what? Hence the title. I guess that makes sense, John. Thank you. Uh, and then finally, this story, y'all, people will get up to some nonsense. Iceland has 30 active volcanoes. It's a geothermal hotspot. Uh, and they had a new one start erupting a little over a month ago. It's been going for a month and it is a quiet eruption. So it's producing consistent flows from lava cracks, not big explosions, about 20 miles from the capital of Reykjavik. Well, this gay couple that you see on the screen met on Tinder in 2015, got engaged under fireworks in front of the Eiffel Tower on Bastille Day in Paris in 2017, had to postpone their September wedding because of COVID, and at the last minute, they decided to go get married alongside this now erupting volcano. They hiked up the volcano with the help of wedding planners at Pink Iceland, who got them a videographer and a photographer. No paths. You can only visit the volcano when the wind is blowing a certain way to avoid the volcanic gases. One of the two men said, 
The hike was fun, but we had to walk through a snowstorm most of the way, which stretched his fiance out as he was terrified of freezing to death once he changed into his wedding suit. Like changed in a pop-up tent, the wind died, the snow stopped, and the sun came out. He says, as we were about to start the ceremony, a wall in the crater burst, and a slow river of neon orange lava flowed past us as we said our vows, exchanged our rings, and got married. They popped champagne, had some cake, took photos in front of the fresh lava. It was beautiful, awe-inspiring, and yet terrifying experience to get married in front of this majestic wonder of Mother Nature. Would you be willing to get married in front of no. a volcano? No, hell, hell, hell no. <laughs> I, I said that too close to my mic. It echoed. No, fuck no, fuck no. I would not. I mean, the fact that lava <laughs> flowed right next. I mean, did they have to like step? I would be. I could not even say a vow. I would be so. And, and the oh well, it's a slow. It's just going slowly. Well, who knows? Who yeah. knows what's underneath the earth? Jesus, this is very for rich or for poorer, for dumb or for dumber. I mean, that he said a crater wall collapsed and a new flow of lava went past, and their thought was, this will be a great photo. During their vow, and, 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 and the fact that they had to walk there in a snowstorm, you have lost me on all levels, all yeah, levels. That there's no path, you gotta hike to it. No. But he was worried about freezing to death in his suit once he took off like the coat. I mean, they must have been the fastest vows in the history of weddings ever. I don't think uh, these marriages are, 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 are there. I just, I just, no, I shouldn't say I, that. Well, it sounds like they're perfectly matched or that one of them really loves the other one who was willing to do it. As Leanne Noble just said, that game, the floor is lava, but for real. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Danielle said that that's what I'm looking for in a wedding, terrifying. Well, Danielle, you can come get married in front of my Juanita mannequin. I know she terrifies you. <laughs> I mean, at least it sounds like they didn't make anyone else join them because I have to admit, and, and I left out this part of the story, y'all, like some 50,000 Icelandic locals have gone up to see the lava, like you can get sort of close to it. I would probably do that. Like I wouldn't want to be at the front of the of the group, but I would follow some other people because if the poison gas is hitting them in the face, I'll know that, you know, it'll knock them out like the canary in the coal mine. But the minute a new wall of lava flowed, my ass would be running back down that volcano yeah. like I was on fire. I, yeah, it, no, it's, it's just, I'm too old. I'm just too old to even think about it. Cause I just, I just would be afraid of ending up, you know, remember that couple in the Pompeii ash that was like huddled together and they said maybe they were a gay couple. Like maybe it was two men and not a man and a woman like they thought that would be in my mind the whole time. Like, I don't want to be the gays in the, under the ash in no. some future museum. I love that Chris Funk wrote in the chat room, like bubbling tar on the highway. That is a quote from Sissy Hickey in Sorted Lives a Series. And that thief could have heard that line. That could have learned all of that. If he had just stolen and put in that DVD. As Rosemary said, I do not camp out or do volcanoes. <laughs> but I wish well, I Rosemary. Like their married life will be quite the adventure. Yes. Can um, you all believe it's only Tuesday? It's Tuesday, I know. Um, I, it sure feels closer to Friday to me. Bitsy is um, just the, the end of the official part of the show. Look at Bitsy. She said, I have some thoughts. She listened to the whole show just right next to me. She wanted to say hello to everybody. She said, Bitsy, would you go up the volcano? 
No. She does not seem interested. <laughs> she said no. Oh. <laughs> Um, well, once again, thank you all for those of you that tune in live and comment along. We appreciate you. Uh, those of you that listen back later on iTunes and Pandora and Spotify and Google, the numbers are slowly starting to climb on the in the subscriber listeners. We thank you for that as well. You Once again, you can send us a tip on Venmo or on PayPal to beardcollinshoresproductions at gmail.com. The Venmo is at Emerson Collins. We appreciate all of you for tuning in however you do, whenever you do, wherever you do. Y'all have a wonderful Tuesday evening, whatever you're doing, and we will see you on Friday. Bye, y'all. Bye.